0: Hello, this is the podcast about us
1: talking about settings that capture imagination. I got a butterfly net. This is probably just going to be a... Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. (laughs) Good God. You've been drinking a bit...
2: We're off the rails already. We haven't even done the introduction. Don't worry about it. We're doing fine.
1: I'm Crispy Crowd. I am Mr. Jaywet.
3: I am Halion. Hi and vulcan hello again
1: i'm closing straw and i work the night
0: shift and i feel like death
3: welcome to the night shift i guess yeah these things happen yeah so how is everybody today i uh i've been enjoying our precast with everybody um yeah, this has been an interesting
4: uh, podcast episode because uh, Haley and I are actually sitting right next to each other right now. Yes, we are. It is it is an IRL one. Mini aux meetup. Yeah, we have a Mini aux meetup. He and I had a, a nice dinner together. We got sandwiches and looked lovingly in each other's eyes, and
2: now we're sitting here drinking beers and recording a podcast. Yep. So, and, and when we when we stop recording, we're going to do a little bit of light spooning. <laughs> the best way, and, and
3: that's. That's a calm little interlude to what happens tomorrow, as Halion and I will also be seeing each other, and so it's almost like a little mini Ox reunion tour or something like that. That basically <laughs> yep. that means more or less all of us. Oh, uh, I not I can't say closing Australia. So I, I retract the all of us, but several of us on this here podcast will have actually bumped into each other in real life at this point. Because if we recall on three point five, Wit and I also did that together in the flesh.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. To be honest, if we're going to go see Straw out in Wyoming, we're going to need cowboy hats and we're going to need to watch at least like several seasons of Yellowstone
0: or Longmire. And even then, those series really play up the different nations of the Native American tribes and the, you know, white settlers in that area because the whole, most of the damn time, it's fuck you, Whitey, fuck you. I can't say
4: that. wearing the the Mm -hmm. St. Paddy's Day hat out to Wyoming. I don't care.
0: Yeah, no one gives a shit. Once I saw a guy which I'm fairly certain had a dildo up his ass with a a furry tail coming out. Bless America. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not haram. Not haram. So speaking of odd
4: things that we've seen, we're going to be talking about world building. We're, Jesus Christ, world building
1: today. Shit that, no. makes, that really captures your imagination. That's the Oh, like, yeah. My imagination
4: to not be able to say words correctly.
1: You, you are also at least
4: two beers in. Oh, it's more yeah. than that. I can guarantee you. Oh, great. Can confirm. Listen, if you're going to think into otherworldly subjects, you've got to be in the right frame of mind for it.
1: Not necessarily. Speaking of the
0: right frame of mind, let me begin with my setting that I've been reading up on. Tell me it
4: does not involve the words Isekai, because I will shit a break.
0: Thankfully, no,
4: but it could. Because I've heard way too much about Isekai for my own fucking good. I've heard so many people talk about it. Well, uh... <laughs> uh oh, it does, doesn't it? Does Peter Pan count as an Isekai? I don't think so. Technically, yes.
1: Yes.
2: Right? I- I'm just casually sitting here not knowing... What the fucking isekai? Is. Something something oh,
3: Japanese. You're not the only one, Halion. I'm kind of confused as well.
1: I'll explain it then. So an isekai is a Japanese, relatively new thing. It's the new hit fad for the animes, which is a normal person dies and wakes up in a fantasy world with their everyday knowledge, more or less.
2: Okay. So so I guess so, so it's like an anime. Um, it's a trope. Yeah, it's uh,
1: real heavy right now. Like anime,
2: Cool World meets Roger Rabbit type, sorta,
4: sorta maybe. Yeah, that's an okay way to look at it.
0: I mean, it could be. It could also be Alice in Wonderland, um, John Carter of Mars. I
4: thought you were going to say John Carpenter's the thing. I was like, I want to see that fucking
1: movie. Uh, Gray Mauser. Was Gray Mauser. Mauser. Um, but that, that's the It's, it's current. It's the big hotness for anime. It's. Kind I mean, of all, they're basically all shit. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna argue that. I mean, there's like one who goes, Well, I guess it has to be an izakai so I can explain all this world building it's I just,
4: did for this setting. Speaks of laziness. That's just my opinion.
1: Okay, we are getting off topic. Well, you had a topic? Yes. Yes, yes. I need to talk about Yes, oh, you little yes. Elf, elf, boy. I'm not an
4: elf. I'm St. Irish Cardinal. I don't fucking know. That's a
0: leprechaun and technically that's an elf.
4: Listen, they're always after me Lucky Charms, that's all I can say. Like they're magically <laughs> delicious.
2: This well podcast
4: played. is getting monetized. It's monetized? I'll monetize I don't know. you. Oh,
0: I get <laughs> okay. paid for this? So Strom, what's your idea? Yeah. Uh, what, what do you enjoy? Um currently I got a couple of books and RPG books because those are the best for Filling in or imagining your own stuff for it. Um, I got five, technically four and three, and four of those are only five out of the four. Ah, I'm tired. All right. All right. So here's a bunch of books that I got that I'm activating the camera. Um, Morkborg, Cyborg, Red and Pleasant Land made by an asshole, and and Carcosa, and one I don't have, which I, which I, um, sorry, I don't have, but I did just kickstart it. Um, you could called Soon, where it's called the yellow, the yellow, the purple lands, and the yellow city. Mm. What's it about? Um, taking the concept of what stuff in Asia such as the Middle East, um, big, big tropical jungles, a really big ass mountain, what have you and then tr- compile it together and then seeve it through what a peasant or a medieval guy just hearing about it would think it would be like. So a lot
4: of blending of different mythologies. I mean there's nothing wrong with that I just it's interesting. You
0: know. Yeah, it's not blending of mythologies. It's taking a bare bones concept and twisting it while doing it as a DD is setting. I got you. Where if, if there's a one place that's good to get world building
4: ideas from, it's definitely RPGs.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, I definitely agree. A lot of, in that regard, a lot of the, the settings that would cap them cap, um, Goodness gracious me would captivate my Vulcan mind are definitely starting an RPG. So that one I would definitely concur Is, is a, it, it's, it's ability to allow you to immerse in it with your own creativity, but as well, like have more access to the rules of everything and the theories and the ideas of what's going on in this and be a an active part of it instead of just watching an individual character that is going through a pre-scripted series of events, you know, a TV show, basically, um, is what really jogs my mind. So, agreed.
0: Yeah, and uh, the best part about it is that it's all tables. Like, there's some places here and there that... Better
4: to you. I'm not a fan of tables and charts in my settings. I'm just going to say that straight up. (laughs)
1: Hey, good sir, you're enjoying Traveler? You're enjoying Traveler. I do enjoy (laughs) Traveler. Which is, character generation is just like... Yeah, well, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and vast majority
0: of of Yoon Soon is these tables. Like, oh, uh, hey, do I know a guy who's part of this uh, fighting troop or gladiator pit? Yeah, sure, you know a retired gladiator eh, who who wants to murder his rival in a philosopher's troop. See, you say that, but most of the settings that
4: I enjoy don't really involve tables. In fact, I have encyclopedias for two of them on my bookshelf right here. One of them is Star Wars, and the other is Halo. Believe it or not, the Halo Encyclopedia is very large. The one that I currently have, let's see, it goes up to 351 pages for it, and this is only up to the Bungie stuff. Halo has a really interesting thought-out universe, and just in general has a lot to it that I really enjoyed as a kid. I'm not going to lie, it's inspired my setting a lot that I've been writing. As well as Battletech, which that's another setting that I really enjoy a lot. Um, More so as I've gotten older, but just everything around Battletech, it's just interesting to see how much depth is to the universe outside of giant, stompy robots.
3: I think it's safe to say Battletech is what drew a lot of us together.
0: Oh, yeah. From an unspecific source, uh, Boat Bomber, (laughs) a legendary Boat Bomber. I would love to get his autograph.
3: It was was him. It was totally bow-bomber.
0: He's named after a state.
4: I think it's Montana. The great state of Canada. (laughs) Canada it does a
0: very important part in Battletech.
4: Yeah. The the great Neo-Canada Empire of Battletech. Yeah. They've got beaver mechs that just chew through armor.
3: They have armored mooses, dude. Come on. Like, their elementals are armored mooses.
2: It, instead of flamers, they, uh, their light mix have... Uh, maple, um, syrup. Fla- li- maple syrup. It's flammable maple syrup.
0: It's poutine spray. Oh, God. <laughs> but Jeez. yeah, with the whole thing of tabletop RPGs, is that? is that there there are places left specifically blank or not filled out or things you can expand on for your own game.
3: Yes, that is a thing that I've been been talking on especially like repeatedly with this group, but that is that's a, not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's something we can agree on that is one of the best parts of why we do tabletop.
1: Uh, we're talking I about the, settings.
3: Honestly,
1: I mean, the settings that always get to me aren't tabletop RPGs. Like, I fucking love RP- tabletop RPGs, but when I go, read something, I go, oh my god, this is the best thing ever. It's not from an RPG. It's just from some random book. Uh, have you guys ever actually read uh, Roadside Picnic?
2: Yes. I'm familiar with it. I haven't read it, though. I bought it.
1: Do you want me to spoil it?
2: No. Okay. Well, I can always stick my hands in my ears.
1: Okay, just, just go la 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 and leave the room. Oh, please. You do play not. Stalker, Shatter of Chernobyl. That kind of is yeah. part of it. it ca- not really. So, Stalker is. So, okay, it's a lot of weird weirdness together. Uh, Roadside Picnic inspired the movie Stalker, which that inspired the video games, but they all have basically nothing to do with each other, only kind of sorta, not really. They share the same themes. Yeah. Of just people being awful.
4: Well, The the whole thing about Stalker, isn't it basically like or not not Stalker, Roadside Picnic, basically the whole idea is um, boils down to the idea of you know, humans stopping off on the side of the road to have a picnic, they leave all sorts of garbage behind, and all the the animals come out after they leave, just to... They, and they don't really understand what the garbage is, but they perceive I mean, it in their own way. And basically, this is taking that out to an example of us as humans coming across the garbage that aliens leave behind, like an advanced species that's beyond our understanding.
1: Kind of, kind of know. It... There are some thoughts. It... It's not as clear-cut as you would want.
4: I'm sure it's not. I'm just putting it down to basic broad strokes from what I understand the premise of the book is supposed to be. It's basically us as humans coming across the things that have been left behind by beings that we aren't capable of fully understanding.
1: Yeah. So I'm not going to talk about that. Hey, Leon, are we going to just talk about Neil Gaiman for like an hour now? Is it time? Good. Terry Pratchett and Discworld. Terry Pratchett, Neil Gaiman, because Neil Gaiman, his fucking writing is so beautiful. Like in terms of A like any news. sort of writing style, oh, I love it. Uh, there was one part in the Anansi brother, uh, the Anansi Bros. Or actually, uh, So, it it is just okay. Anansi Boys. It's where they were talking about the um where Gaiman was talking about uh, the god lion or like a lioness and they were like oh yeah this is a person and it's also they're like oh his face looks like a lion also he's a human also he looks like he is a lion it just depends on your perspective and just and just saying like oh yeah no gods are just out here doing their thing and it's so wonderful every time or the ocean at the end of the lane, mm-hmm. where there are these like ravens outside of time, and they're just sitting around waiting to just eat away at thoughts. Basically, sounds a bit Lovecraftian in a sense. It is. It's not really though.
2: Because... It, it it he writes it, but he doesn't put the horror aspect in it. it the, the way mm-hmm. I am from just how you're describing it than anything mm-hmm. to That's me, just a me. thing. To me the way i describe the way i would co- try to describe neil gaiman in the majority of what he writes is and maybe it's just because this is fresh in my brain right now um, because i'm currently working my way through the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy series of books but douglas adams is fucking bonkers he he comes up with the most ridiculous concepts and ideas but he presents them in such a straight and earnest manner is just like you, you 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 wrap your head around it just enough to realize this is stupid and this is crazy but it's so incredibly creative
1: it's honest that it, is-
2: it just it bends your mind and to me neil gaiman does the same way but he doesn't come at it from a bonkers perspective he comes at it from a a a where it makes you it's a big brain concept that is so uh it's so creative, but it's also so deep that it's just as mind-blowing, even though it's not ridiculous.
4: Yeah. It's real bizarre stuff.
0: Oh, hello, you, cat. You hear him going meow? It's, is that your cat, Stroll? Yes. Uh, He's demanding attention. Let me, let me, let me just... I'm on the keyboard now,
3: you bastard. Uh cats are equivalent to Mr. Train. Mm-hmm.
4: Pretty much. More fun than Mr. Train, I would say.
3: Oh, significantly more fluffy and wonderful to pet. Uh, if you ever try to pet a
4: train,
2: it's very uncomfortable.
3: It often doesn't them. end very well unless the train is stopped.
2: Well, much like trying to pet like my cat or petting a train, you can lose a hand. Well, there's a reason and, you base the yeah. traveler character off your cat. That's
0: true. Anywho. Um, speaking of speaking of trains did I ever tell you why Neo and the Matrix were really just a little engine that could what because he he, he believed in himself I, oh. I'm sorry I'm just thinking of him saying
2: I think I can as he's flying through the air <laughs>
1: <laughs> same
0: I,
2: was, I, I watched oh, The Matrix with my fourteen-year-old a month ago. Oh, that must have been fun! And they thought it was interesting, but they weren't willing to go through the other two. So I don't that's, them.
1: That's a fair, reasonable reaction. I had the
2: same exact response. I was like, "Yeah, that's if okay." You treat The Matrix
4: as just a standalone movie. That is totally fine. I personally, I enjoy the other two ones, but I can understand if you just <laughs> want the make one the only one yeah. because you,
2: it's honestly all you need. I don't. I also do not hate the other two. Matter of fact, I didn't hate the the sequel one they just did recently, about a year ago. Get out of this house. I thought, no, 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 no. no.
0: I'm not Get saying it's bad.
2: I'm not <laughs> saying it was good. It, 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 I, I think it, it feels like a completely different movie that has the Matrix and the title, even though they oh. use a lot of the same characters, but I thought the concept, the idea was really good. I just didn't think the movie was that great. It, you
4: know, on on that note i i think that kind of speaks to the problem with a lot of different attempts at cinema and just entertainment these days is that they they're afraid to try new things because there's certain things that have been made where it's like if it wasn't related to the series that i enjoyed previously i and it was its own thing i feel like it actually could have been enjoyable like to give you an example, like, I enjoyed the Halo series. I enjoyed everything the Bungie did up to it. But once 343 started taking over and doing their own thing, they, the tone changed to it and I wasn't a fan of it. But if they would have made it like its own thing and not something related to Halo, or at least not as directly related to Halo, I probably would have enjoyed it more because they're just doing their own thing. I I Like... I just think that there's so many examples of settings or just things people have done for settings that are so stuck in the trap of doing what's been done before where it's like
2: don't people are afraid to
4: break the mold in a sense well but
2: the pro and the problem with that though is that's if you keep doing the same thing over and over again you know look how many okay I'm not trying if you love them great that's you I'm not judging you this is your thing but there's a reason they keep doing all the Fast and Furious movies. And it's the same thing, just a little dumber. But the same reason people love them, because it's the same damn movie over and over, just bigger and bigger, is the same reason why people don't like, well, some of the same reasons they don't like the Star Wars sequels. Because it's just redoing the same movies, just not as well. Family. family, Literally family. stole my
3: train of thought. Family.
1: I was going to say that as well. I have, but a, it, I have a more capitalist opinion, which I'm like... Eh, um, but I actually understand it so yeah. the argument is you have 5 million dollars um, and you want to make a movie and it costs a million dollars to make are you? and guess what when people are making a movie they start asking for more money um, the Matrix movie they initially had a budget of 10 million dollars uh, then they produced like the first little bit of it and then said hey we need more money Give us more money, or you get nothing out of this. And it's a, like, ugh.
2: How- well, I, I mean, I get the capital side of it. it. Is like, okay, we can spend a hundred million dollars to make a movie that maybe there's an audience for, or we can spend a hundred and fifty million to make a movie that we know there's an audience for, and even if it's not a, even if it's a piece of shit. It's you still, have- we're still going to make our investment back because everyone will still go see it because it's the next installment of Brand X, I, and we I got, get that.
1: We got a brand new Avatar, right?
2: But the <laughs> problem that you run into, I haven't and, seen that. that a shit that. ton of money. Yeah, but the problem that you run into is, like Crispy said, you you have you can't keep doing. Yeah. Eventually, oh, yeah. franchises run out when you do the same thing. But the same flip side is, if you try to reinvent and do something different. You more often than not end up dividing your fan base, and and yep. they become split on it. And then you then it's harder and harder if you don't have that hardcore fan base, especially if you have something that's a little more niche. And I think a great example of that is the J.J. Abrams Kelvin Universe Star Trek movies. That were yes, they were not a reboot. They were these exist in their own pocket timeline away from the main timeline. We're using the same characters. All the same names, but we're going to tell our own stories and do our own thing. And you know, this time Kirk's going to die, Spock's not going to die, and now Uhura's fucking Spock, and just you know, whatever. And yeah, and then- really got hated on by a huge portion of the fan base, and it never quite really caught on with the mainstream because it wasn't quite Trek that your non-Super Trek fans recognized. And your hardcore Trek base, a lot of them were divided. They didn't like, it. no, this is this is blasphemy. And so for me, I'm unique. I can enjoy it for what it is. I understand it's not the Trek that I love. And I can enjoy it for its own standalone product. So I'm fine. But I'm an easy mark. But that's the risk you Damn. run into. And why you don't get so many of those made that way. is because you run the risk of potentially killing the sac- the golden calf. Go- going off what Haley
4: just said, I mean, my view it is like, I can understand if you want your subject the story or whatever you're writing about to appeal to a wider audience than what it originally was for when it first came out I could get that but my my problem that I view it is that a lot of these franchises and series seem to be going for the quote unquote mythical um the the the, the wider audience the more the common audience mm-hmm. um you know they want to appeal it to everybody and here's the problem like no matter how much you try no matter how much you water down the story to be more digestible to everybody. It's it's not going to be. You're always going to have somebody that does not get along with it. I,
1: I think they did do it with Lord of the Win- Rings. Well, Lord of the Rings. I, I,
4: no. The, I, 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 like, I, I'm not saying you can't have some, try to make something appeal to a wider audience. I, I get it's that. It's really but,
1: hard to please nerds. Yeah. We're awful. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, hard the yeah, to worst.
2: it's hard to please everybody. There, there's a very tight, tight Tight rope, very thin between walking between making it appealable to a broad enough audience that the hardcore fans will like it and the tangentially familiar with it will like it without also completely alienating that hardcore audience. And it's very, very rare that that happens. You, you, it, it really takes a, a genius with the exact perfect vision yeah. to pull that off.
1: Mm-hmm. An actual, like actual artistic genius too, and,
2: and even then, it's like
4: that that can be taken one way or another depending on who picks up later on. You know, I can think of several franchises where the the original intent for it was deviated from greatly by the people that picked it up later on, and it turned it into something that it really, while it was more open to a uh, greater audiences, perhaps it just didn't really encapsulate the essence of what made the thing good in the first place I mean, granted I'm not going to say I'm not biased I'm very opinionated in, in things you know there's things that I enjoy a lot that I'm very you know hesitant to see any sort of change on but there, I, I can just speak from experience that there's been certain franchises and series that I've enjoyed that in trying to do more with it they've ended up making it to a point where it's just not enjoyable to me you know whether that's me being a grognard or just in general, me as a fan of the series not being able to enjoy it because they've changed it so much from what it was to appeal to a wider audience that it's taken away from what made it enjoyable in the first place. I'm not saying there's instances yeah. where you can't make it more
1: enjoyable The issue is when you take something out of uh what what literary theorists consider the genre ghetto, mm-hmm. like for example, magic, when you consider like. Two settings that do magic incredibly well are Lord of the Rings and The Game of Thrones. That's what I would consider that, and and I would consider Harry Potter bad at magic. I don't think it's particularly good.
0: I but can understand reason, that.
1: Yeah, like I'm just in just in terms of like how they are they are portraying it and how they're talking about how they act. They don't
2: really set up how it would function. They they, no. they gloss over a lot. Well, to to no, me, no, no, no. and I get what you're saying. And I think the reason why Harry Potter was so popular, I don't think Harry Potter is a magic setting, even though they, no, no. even though it's all over there. Harry Potter is a YA fantasy adventure setting. It's, a, it's about the hero's journey. It's not about the magic. That just happens to be where yeah, it's in.
1: It's a young growth story sort of thing. But okay, the reason why I can think that Lord of the Rings and um, J.R.R. Tolkien uh, woof Oh, I'm not doing great today. Um, why uh Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings are so good at magic is they take the fundamental human tropes of this man is evil and he is going to fuck everything up. The like sort of innate reaction of I don't trust this thing, it needs to go. And uh putting that forward, making that the the emotional. Requirement: the emotional uh, language, basically, and making it a part of the plot. Game of Thrones is a very—it's um, tying a lot to things like blood and fire and cold. They're tough. It's tapping into a primordial sort of like I don't like this. This is wrong, and it's weird and strange, and no one knows what the fuck is going on.
4: So, I, if I if I get what you're saying, you, you don't like as much when it's tapped into morality in a black and white sense you like it more when it's more ambiguous and it's more about you know different elements of things and how they're utilized
1: i don't like it when magic is explicit
4: i and i and understand that it's like um well that's why you don't like star wars then yeah. well no i, I was <laughs> yeah. just about to say there's there's examples in star wars where they treat it
2: less this like a black and right. white thing and it's more of a a sort of gray area like right. um and those are inter- more interesting yeah. stories it's, it's the dogma of the sith that you have to be angry and mad yeah. and, and it's pain yeah, and versus yeah, yeah. Jedi, where it has to be pure and at yeah. peace yeah those those are both boring yeah it's the, it's
3: the dogmatic a, and they also don't really concur with the original but, story of but, the great but, schism either
2: That's why
4: I liked the ideas of, um, like, the Jedi Academy, the Jedi Knight games, where they even say in the games, it's not about the powers that you have, it's how you use them. It's, like, you can use the ability to use Force Lightning or Force Choke or whatever, but it's a matter of, like, are you using this to torment innocent people or are you using it as a method for defense, you know, or, like, how far are you using it in things? It's, like, it's taking, a, it's, like, it's the ability of what you can do, but they're looking at it from a more morally gray perspective you know it's almost like not to get too into like some out like deep in their shit but just like the idea of like splitting the atom you know that's something that has been able to give energy and been able to revolutionize how we are as a species but at the same time that same ability to split the atom can also create weapons of mass destruction you know it's it's the it's just like that looking into that gray area of it, and that's what I really enjoy about that, and why I really like when series treat things as more of like a morally gray thing. It happens in Star Wars sometimes, but but I, I wish it would not happen as before. much as you want. exactly. Yeah. It, it's it seems to be too caught up in the dichotomy of like light and dark, and it's yeah. just like well,
2: that's the problem with Star Wars is is it's because it is space opera, because it is a space fantasy where you've got the evil the the evil dark wizard and you've got the good light wizard you they have to be those perfect pure tropes because it's all because it's everything is black and white and and that's that was the original story and so that's what it all kind of ultimately comes back to but that just gets boring over over the same because because it's all this because if you do pure pure good versus pure evil you know what the outcome is always going to be because that's just the way it is good is always supposed to triumph over evil. No matter the fact that evil is going to be bad and do bad things, eventually good is supposed to triumph. And it's more interesting if you can walk that middle road because then things can be a lot more ambiguous.
1: Not necessarily. I don't... If I know this, the ending to a movie, I'm still happy to watch the movie as long as everything else is interesting. I don't mind not... I don't mind knowing what how it's going to end. That's actually fine with me.
2: Well, but that's what we said before though. That's if you're going to walk that fine line of d- of doing that, that's where it takes a really skillful
1: yeah. creator
2: to walk that fine line to say, you know, I you, you know how it's going to end up, but it's the journey that gets there that's interesting. I don't think it's so much a matter of like what
4: the destination is that is is the issue. I think it's just more of like when you rely so much on the the good versus evil um archetypes when it comes to fiction or just writing in general it's like at a certain point it's just become so cliche where it's like you you like i'm not saying you predict the end of it because it's like you know how the story is going to end but it's like you just know that the journey is going to be so cookie cutter where it's like it's not interesting you know when you give it a bit more ambiguity to things it just makes things more interesting because while it could it's probably going to end up with a happily ever after ending you just don't know how it's going to go when it's more ambiguous with things
3: in that regard i actually want to comment that one of my favorite cases of that being well done was actually fable 3 whereas you're initially trying to combat your brother who's doing all this evil stuff but then you come to find out he's trying to combat a greater evil so you pretty much take over his role and how you as the player you know, continue to go about it. I mean, yeah, obviously just buy a bunch of houses, blah, 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 throw money at it. But it, I liked its attempts at, you know, what are you going to do to rebuild the, the, the state of Albion or whatever? Uh, you know, what are you investing things in? Are you doing these things for your personal pleasure? Are you investing in things for the actual people? Are you actually preparing the defenses? Like what are you actually doing and how are you going about, you know, combating this great evil, or are you just going to enslave everybody? Or are you just going to make things absolutely awful and even worse than than your brother? I like that open-endedness open-endedness in that regard. And in that regard also I I liked, you know, the, the the development of that game in the sense of like you have these options. Yeah, it's fable. You know, it's it's okay, but it was it, it was still like it, when you look at the the concepts of it it's 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 almost res, resonant to like palpatine potentially dealing with the yuzhang vong you know his yeah he wanted ultimate power but if you look at that part of legends there was a very big possibility he had a greater reason to be setting up the, the galactic empire and that's to deal with the yuzhang vong eventually
4: man i love that theory of star wars that would have made things so much more interesting than just like palpatine being like i am even
3: yeah it's the republic was not a society or a state that was capable of uh, well and that's it's not necessarily because in the immersion aspect of it this is you know one of the my favorite settings is the star wars in that aspect of it um but as i was saying um yeah, the, 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 the Republic was not a society that was designed to, to deal with a large-scale crisis as the Yuzang Vong that is going to destroy absolutely everything. I will pass the torch from there.
0: I was about – I was going to say um, that's kind of the issue with um, evil is that they'll if they're given, if that they're given a chance to justify their action, they'll go all in. Be it for, oh, we need to be strong, so I'm going to kill anyone who I don't like. Oh, no, people don't like me because I killed everyone I didn't like. How could this happen? Well, I think think that's
2: why in a lot of settings they they boil it down to good versus evil is not necessarily what they're doing is the motivation. Whereas good is doing it to – is more about what they're not doing or who they're doing – who they're not doing or who they're doing it to – Whereas evil is, they're all doing it. Is they're doing the the things they're doing are bad for selfish reasons. They're doing it to destroy this person or to give themselves power or what have you. Where it, there's a there's a balance. They try to shade it, but in the end, it's all from your point of view. And like Crispy said, if you want to, if you f- cut all, if you flip this and do it strictly, the entire Star Wars saga, strictly from your average. Imperial citizens philosophy, someone who has no dog in the fight for the rebellion or the empire, they're just living their life. You know, the rebellion is an usurper and they're just trying to throw, you know, they're coming up, blowing up shit and killing people and things like that. You know, it's they're effectively domestic terrorists. So from your point of view, they're doing the bad stuff.
3: So I like that in the Mandalorian in the last episode of the um, second season where they have that one pilot of the shuttle. And then you have Cara Dune, who she was from Alderaan and this dude, he was on the Death Star. And he literally brings up like, you know, do you even realize how many millions of people were on both of those bases that you killed? And she's like, well, you realize you blew up my planet. And it's like, well, you realize you're fucking terrorists. As yeah. well, I mean, in Andor, it's, it touches more on, like, especially in the beginning, it's what's Andor's, what's casting Andor's stake in this greater thing? He's just a thief. He's just a common dude. What the fuck does he care about, you know, the rebellion or the empire? I mean, he hates the, the empire, but it's just a lucrative, you know, cash cow for him. It's they're easy to steal from.
2: Yeah. And, and that's absolutely. And, and that's that whole point of Andor, that it showed the fact that these people that we hold up to be the freedom fighters, you know, they're they they're noble warriors for the cause but they're still doing heinous stuff. They're still killing people. robbing. like the first 5 minutes of that show, he cold-blooded kills a police officer that he did not have to. Um it, it's showing the the dirty, grim dark side of "quote unquote the hero" of some of the things they do if you show it from the the uh the non-whitewashed point of view.
0: The Mujahideen versus ISIS. I mean, in a sense yeah. you can definitely
4: look at it as I mean, you can look at something like that, I guess, in that sense. But I mean, it, it, like in going back to the idea of like someone being as evil as, like, say, Palpatine. That's why I kind of like the idea of like almost like a cosmic horror sense, where it's like the villain, their reasoning is so far out there that it's like, is it really to say that our morals match what they're thinking? Like, for example, what the original idea was for the Reapers from Mass Effect. Um, if I remember hearing it correctly, was the idea that they were basically cre- trying to create a race that they could enslave and use to stop the entropic heat death of the universe because of their ability to manipulate Element Zero. That's partially. what originally it was supposed to be. Par- partially. I'm, I I don't know it specifically. It's just more of what I've heard. So take it with a grain of salt. But just that's just an example of like something where it's like, is the villain's reasoning necessarily evil? I mean, an- another example I can think of is like um in System Shock 2 is the many, the um mutant uh worm creatures that basically enslave the crew of the ship that you're on. Um there's even points in the story though where characters that are there's there's people that even wonder outside of the many itself. It's like for what as horrific as they are they do bring unity they bring a common goal and sense of purpose that's something that we as humans aren't able to necessarily achieve you know it's a method outside of what we believe is possible in order to achieve our goals
1: i think they're talking about communism
4: i'm i mean that's, that's that's i'm not arguing that i'm just saying that as a sense of like yeah, yeah. As yeah. what the beings are. The morality and things and the eth- and the the political, socioeconomic things, that's one thing. It's just more of like an example. I'm just like,
1: it. oh, no, 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 that's all they're referencing. They're just being like, these are communists.
4: I like, don't disagree sure. with that. I don't, because we could get into that. It's like... It's a whole other thing. Yeah, it's a whole yeah. other thing. But but you, you know what I'm saying, though. It's just, it's just more of like the idea that what this evil is... Its its methods and motives might make sense to them, but to us, because of our
2: perspective versus theirs, it's something it's entirely different. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: You know. All I'm going to say is Thanos did nothing wrong. <laughs> I disagree with that. Listen, that
0: yeah. motherfucker knows what he did. He did everything wrong. In fact, uh, I don't like. Mm. That might have to be a Marvel or DC or whatever podcast because I a Marvel cast because I don't know enough about it.
1: But neither do I. I'm very dumb.
0: Don't worry, it's Fox standard Hollywood. Well, that's a that's very strange. I don't like Marvel because they had the what? What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Show it to the class, Crispy! Oh, God, please. No, this is an
2: audio podcast.
1: Yep, audio only. <laughs> well, then we don't have to worry about anything. Yep, yep, okay. So, there, I would like to actually read a quote, because I'm pulling, because I'm completely shameless in my, I'm just quoting uh, Mr. B-tongue for most of my opinions, because I love that man, and I wish he will come back. Quoting who? Uh, Mr. B-Tung. It's a, um, an eight. He hasn't uploaded anything in like five years. He's just this like YouTuber. Okay. Yeah, he's incredibly smart, but
2: that's saying com- something coming from you, Jay. Ooh. Yes,
1: he is incre- Like this, he is the like one of the reasons that I am that I, ha- I have any amount of literature opinion. But but he was talking about, m- <laughs> um he was talking about magic and uh, why it matters. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, and he was and I'm going back to the magic part because I finally found the quote. Um, because he's, and he's quoting the two towers. Uh, which is suddenly another voice spoke, low and melodious. It's very sounded enchantment. Those who listened unwarily to that voice could seldom report the words that they heard, and it's, and if they did, they wondered, for little power remained in them mostly remembered that it was a delight to hear the voice speaking. All that is said seemed wise and reasonable, and Desire awoke with them by swift agreement to seem wise themselves. When others spoke, it seemed harsh and uncouth by contrast. And if they gainsay the voice, anger was kindled in the hearts of those under the spell. So, this is the voice of Saruman. As he speaks to you, his voice is enchanted. It's... it refers back to ancient ideas of language, of speaking to someone and enforcing your will upon them and just and making them turn against yourself, against your enemies and your allies. And, it's, and he almost turned the tides of battle at that time. If you knew the mechanics of how the voice spoke, that would mean very different things. But the fact that it's just he is speaking And he will change your mind. Ignorance is bliss, I guess. Yes. Uh,
3: Yes, the brown note.
1: You don't speak to the evil people. Because it is... Because they will turn you against them. They are fundamentally evil.
2: See, I always thought of the voice of Saruman as like the Metrodon Mm -hmm. for the devil.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. That is the... Like... I don't know that much about Lord of the Rings lore, but I think that is correct.
0: Yeah, he's like the devil's lieutenant because the devil got chucked
1: into the void. They just,
0: like, covered him in chains. Meaning like, it's,
1: a promotion, then? it's the soft, soft, silvery, velvet voice of the devil corrupting people. My
2: goodness. Okay, I so have something that I want to say, but, like, yeah, I can't. I can't make that joke because we have rules against
1: no, I do think it is important for magic to seem magical to like activate the like the monkey brain of why is that thing floating?
4: It, look, if, if if we're gonna get into magic, I'm gonna have to talk about Aleister Crowley, and I don't know if we want to talk about that on air because we could
1: talk. We can talk about the uh, the guy who d- uh, discovered jet fuel. Oh, he was a black, black a magician.
2: Yeah, we should have. We should. But, I think magic should be addressed all in its own. Jack yeah. Parsons was a dude. I thought Alan Parsons was the guy that did the laser. Yeah, that's the Alan Parsons Project,
4: also a prog rock band, I think. Yeah. I don't remember. I. Yes.
1: You're deeply drunk. I can tell.
4: No, I'm sober.
1: And I'm. He's also sucking down that Robo dick. So. Yes, okay. yes. So. Any other settings that people have that have been like, "Oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever." Something that like changes your mind basically
4: I don't know if I want to necessarily say settings although I guess you could consider it with their 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 compilation of their works but I really enjoy certain sci-fi artists and their ability to illustrate their own sort of sci-fi world perspective how you want to say it in particular I'm looking at my bookshelf right now and there's two on my mind that I really enjoy one um you probably will know. The other one maybe not as much. The one that you probably don't know is John Harris. Um He did a lot of sci-fi book covers and things, and I really enjoy the style of his work because it really captures a sort of sense of like weight and floating in space to the point where you can kinda see his influence in things like I like if if I look like at Homeworld I really get a sense of his work, you know. Just his ability to capture just space as this sort of colorful void with giant, just dense objects floating through it. And the other artist I have on my shelf who you may not know his name, but you probably know his work is Sid Mead. Um, I would imagine a lot of people may know who he is, but basically he's the guy that did the artwork for... Uh, He did Blade Runner, like, all the the concept art from Blade Runner. Um, He did the Sulaco from Alien. Um, If you've watched Gundam Turn A, he did the designs for that. He's done a lot of sci-fi art. Basically, like, even his work has influenced Mass Effect. If you've seen um, any sort of sci-fi in the past several decades, like, chances are it's got some sort of influence in Sid B like, like i just looking through his work now. It's just amazing the stuff that he's done. Like you can really see, like, like that. Like he's done all sorts of amazing artwork for.
0: Uh, could you could you show the class?
4: Uh yeah, one sec. I can. Or, make, or maybe we post a link. Yeah, let yeah. me see if I can find like a gallery of his. But his work is just you. You got to see see it to believe it. But
1: oh, I just had two more wonderful things. So, okay. It's not a very good book series. Um, I'm going to say this straight out. But um oh damn it, I forgot the it's got the book name is God's Demon. Uh, by Wayne Barlow, of course. Um so, this is a vision of hell basically and a very like archetypical, but the man is basically the idea is all of the devils uh, own hell, obviously, but it's such a bizarre and a hyper-specific type of world. I've shown pictures of this before, um, just because his Wayne Barlow's art is beautiful. Uh, but all of the mat- all of the material inside of hell is different humans. You just take a soul and you skin them because souls are relatively unthinking individuals until someone goes along, a demon goes along and grants them their memories back. And it's such a wild world of like, oh, of course, um, Beelzebub is a, the god of flies, and he's just this, like, meat sack of fly- that ag- that's just going around and torturing people for, just crawling around in people's, it's a very brutal, uh, world and everything. Inside of hell, there are ancient, like, things that have been around before the devils fell. They're just, um, the, the, uh, the abyssals. They're these horrific, giant beasts. Uh, there are these weird, uh, other group of people, of non-humans, non-devils that are living around, these nomads, uh, just running around and causing problems. It's such an interesting world, and there's, there's one point where it's at the end of the um, one of the devils is a good devil, basically, and he's trying to, when other devils are uh, shaping humans into bricks, he makes theirs a lot nicer instead of just having, like, hands poking out and eyes blinking at things. Um, and he creates a cathedral to God in hell. Sounds pretty metal. It's fucking amazing, and I don't actually like the the writing, but every the setting is fucking wonderful.
2: I'll say, uh, I think that's you just hit the nail on the head of how sometimes you can have an amazing setting that the stories aren't that great, but the setting is so interesting that it carries the story. The idea carries, yeah. The story. And then there's the flip side, which to me is even rarer, where you have a kind of a poor setting. Or a, kind of a boring story, but the writing and the characters are so interesting that it's still
3: compelling. And you sometimes get a, kind of my opinion of the Expanse in a way. Oh, I love the Expanse. Um, yeah,
1: I do agree. I don't think the characters are super great. They're, they're kind of like run of the
4: mill, but at the same time, it's the setting and everything else that really helps carry it. At the same time, you also get something where you get like characters in a setting that really blend well together, and I think a good example that all of us are familiar with is "Kill Six Billion Demons." Mm. So good. So good. Yeah.
2: You you fully cut to it. Yeah. 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 Now I I just and of course when we record whenever we first mentioned we all first mentioned it however many episodes ago I was brand new to it and then I burned through. Like nine plus, almost nine years worth of content in like a few weeks, and then I got up to where it was current. And I was like, "Holy fuck!" Now I gotta wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, in, and he's and he's just starting the last chapter now, so now it's almost over. Oh damn! Yeah, or
0: I'm not. I'm not exactly sure what it's specified it up in. Also, I love this fucking Berserk reference. I will say that that. I, I like it when a
4: story has an end. I don't like when a story outstays its welcome; just goes on too long. Yeah. Correct. If
2: you if you can stick, if you can nail the ending, there, even if there's more that you could tell, if you really nail that ending, mm-hmm. I think I I agree. It's I think you should, I think it's better if you give the old BBC thing where like less is more. Anything else after this, you you re- you you raise the risk of diminishing returns. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why ah, they never that, should have made anything past season three of Luther.
0: Duh. That's also why I think, um, oh, Rick Rorden's Percy Jackson series
1: kind of just mm. went, well, meh. So, okay, there is one other setting that, that I fell in love with and I still haven't gotten over. House of Leaves. I don't know if anyone's ever read or... I'm I trying it. to read it. Okay, do you want me to tell you about, like, spoil it for people? Uh, okay, I'll explain the idea. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine,
0: because I know the idea,
1: yeah. and I like it. Yeah, so the idea is um, the, it's a multiple, like, it's three different stories in one, but the main important story is a man is going through his house, and he's he bought a new house, moved in, uh, is checking everything out, and he's like, hang on, uh, the inside of my house is slightly larger than the outside. And everyone's like, no, what do you mean? That doesn't make sense. And he goes like, no, 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 I'm serious. And starts measuring the inside and goes, okay, Uh, by calculating the walls and the wall thickness and everything, it's just half an, like something like half an inch uh, longer on the inside than the out. Everyone goes, no, what are you, crazy? No, no. So he starts drilling holes in the wall and starts like, Putting string across it, across it, trying to figure out exactly. And he measures it, and it's three quarters of an inch longer on the inside. Uh, <laughs> and he goes like, "What the fuck is going on? What? See, that's creepy because it's like
4: yeah. if it was a drastic difference, like that would be like, like oh wow, this is like a really crazy curiosity. But it's a slight difference, like it's enough where it's like, yeah. am I serious?
1: Like, is this real? Like, am I you seeing know, I, this?" I, like, is my tape measure off? Am I just forgetting to calculate something?
2: Like it'd be easier
1: to accept if it was like
2: ten feet longer on the inside. Yes, yeah. but it's just that tiny little amount, like that, just, that is harder to wrap your head around.
1: Yeah, and then oh man, they just then they discover a door leading outside. That when you open it is a dark hallway. Oh, and yeah, that's where I will end it. Because so, I don't want to yeah, spoil it. It's just like, already I'm a little concerned
4: about the measurements, and now we're adding a, a dark hallway into this. Like, yeah. I don't want to know what's at the end of that hallway.
1: Oh, it's a...
0: <laughs> to quote Stephen King, horror isn't a guy jumping out going boogity boogity boo. It's you leave your home, and then when you come back, everything, and I mean everything, has been moved a foot to the Right.
4: To also quote Stephen King, cocaine is a hell of a drug. Yeah. And beer. Stephen, oh, yeah,
1: Stephen King does actually know how to write.
2: I'm not, no, I'm just thinking. Okay. I have an unpopular opinion, oh, shit. from what I understand. Oh, no. And I've read a lot of Stephen King. There's a, you know, for anyone who's a casual, everyone knows who, everyone's heard of Stephen King, whether you've read Stephen King or not. But, um, and you've probably seen some of the movies, which don't worry about that. We're talking the books, but for anyone that doesn't understand or isn't aware, sometime about 20-ish years ago, maybe a little bit more, somewhere around, Stephen King was out for a walk and got hit by a guy in a van and damn near died. Oh, this shit. Was barely I mean, just barely survived it. Was, was horrifically injured, had to go through lots of PT, relearned to walk, all this stuff. Da, da, da. Well, if you have read a lot of Stephen King there have been a slight fundamental shift i would say in some of the themes and the meth and the his style i think is still the same but there's been a lot of shift in the themes of the things he's done since then and a lot of your traditional long-term stephen king fans don't really like the stuff he's done post-accident um i on the other hand think he's only gotten more brilliant because he's not writing your typical it christine tommy knockers there's a lot more, much deeper, still horrible, scary themes, but they're much more on the per, uh, much more on a more human emotional sense, in the way I see it. So, anyway, that's my Stephen King unpopular opinion.
0: And to be fair with that, he, he realized I have so much shit that I have left undone. Oh God, oh fuck! And then he just finishes up the Dark Tower series. So, moral
4: of the story is, um, do or do not get hit by a van, depending on your literary ambitions.
3: Mm. That's a possibility.
4: I would not recommend. I I mean, it doesn't sound fun, but I also don't feel like standing in traffic
2: in a miniskirt, so. Why me? Don't worry about it. Okay. Don't worry about it. So, on that note, I I have a couple of settings (laughs) that are similar um, that I it's just my it's it's my literary crack, the things that really attract me as far as books to read and I'll, and my my wife as much as she loves me uh she very affectionately reminds me often that my taste in both music and books is trash um
1: oh you're you're deep in the genre ghetto
2: yeah but with affection <laughs> with affection um yeah. but um for me. The shit that I love, that I just... I'm attracted to, yeah, they're like dime star type readers, but they all have kind of a similar theme. And it's where we're going to tell something set in the real world, and we're usually going to... It's going to be about something kind of fantastical. But we're going to treat it with like... Like it's real, and we're going to make a big adventure about it that's kind of going to explain it. And, and a good example of that is there's a book series by uh, David, David Lynn Goldman, called The Event Group. And it's about basically like this super secret government agency, kind of like a almost like a real, you know, a, a believable level like Men in Black type thing that exists set in this like a, a, a Area 51 type thing built out under the desert near Las Vegas. And the whole purpose of the event group, the very first time they were pulled together was during Roswell. And the whole purpose that they exist is to get out ahead of these weird things that, you know, we don't want the average, like, aliens. Um, we don't want them, you know, people to find out and realize that aliens are really exist and what they have to do. They don't want, um, there's one where they actually, like, figure out that there's a living population of Sasquatch in the Pacific Northwest and how they cover that up. Um, and then there's one where they find out that, um, uh, that, uh. Nemo was real and really did really was did have a giant um nautilus type you know super advanced submarine and now there's like his daughter is uh prepared to create like an ecological war on the surface and just it's weird it's like so it's got like these fantastical ideas but they're giving it a complete real world setting and how they would handle it and I just I that really especially when you're dealing with those like things like cryptids and fantasies uh, they try there's another series that I love um, by Andy McDermott um, about this archaeologist and her bodyguard slash boyfriend where they go around hunting down all these lost treasures and things you know first they first they're after atlantis, um eventually they go and discover. Um, the original Garden of Eden and just like really crazy stuff. But that's the point. They're searching for these like rumored lost treasures and things kind of it kind of like Indiana Jones, but they treat it very. It's not over the top adventure. It's it's kind of treated with a little bit of seriousness. And and the last one that I love, which is kind of similar, is a uh, series written by uh, James Rollins. Uh, which is the about uh, similar to the event group it's about sigma force which is again it's this very high level uh military special forces team that goes out and is handling all of these things like they discover this underground civilization uh uh, in the arctic and in one they discover like it's kind of like a very dan brown thing uh going on with like the whole you know lost uh bible stuff and things like that it's it's just like Clive Cussler, um, who wrote, you know, he's gone. Even though people are ghostwriting in his name, um, writes a lot of adventure books that deal with old, you know, like mysteries, like shipwrecks and lost treasures and things like that. It's it's the stuff where, give me kind of a real believable setting, but throw it in where the adventure is is something fantastical or something unknown that makes it interesting to me. Those are the settings that capture my imagination so much. Even if, yes, they're dumb, pulpy, trashy, beach-reading books that, like my wife says, that's the stuff that just, I can't help it. If I see it, I'm going to try to read it. We've lost Jay.
1: I was in the bathroom, and now I am back. Skitter's full. I'm waiting for the
2: National Lampoon
4: Cinematic
0: Universe. <laughs> oh, God.
1: Anyone have any final thoughts?
0: Um, um, what about you, Vulcan? You, we, we've done nothing but
3: Talk. And there's nothing wrong with that. All things considered, um, it is more or less just been a pleasure to actually been on the podcast once more, as it has been a very, very hectic week for this Vulcan. But we won't get into that. But either way, um, no, I think we've touched on a lot of the points. I mean, we've um, mentally just so exhausted that it's it's been more or less, you know. To jump in when i can um literary speaking though while i've i'm on the note of it i would did want to say like brian jocks was actually one of my favorite childhood offers he did a lot of simplistic things um like just simple kind of settings and everything like for example like he followed this kid and his dog off of a pirate ship, and he gets onto this island and goes onto a different ship and goes on goes on his own, own little uh, I'm a kid in the era of Pirate's Journey. And it, he touched on just different historical periods and whatnot. There's just something about the way the dude wrote that. I just maybe it's just buried in my memory. It's been years since I read anything from the guy. It was just something like I had several elementary school teachers recommend him to me, but I always just loved that sort of setting, just something, you know, historical. That's not necessarily like real or not. You know, they call it historical fiction. Um, And um, like I said, literary speaking, that that always is something that appealed to me. So that was, I guess, my final thought um, on actual topic.
0: Um... It really sucks when you see a setting. That could be a different podcast, but it really sucks when you see a setting and they have this one thing, this one thing you think, oh my God, that would be so cool to expand upon. And they don't do that.
4: Yeah. Don't remind me of the new Halo setting because there's,
0: there's Halo setting.
2: There's four. Don't remind me. Don't remind me. I'm just sitting here. I'm, the hill I will die on is the original Stargate movie. If it would have been fucking fantastic if they'd have just made it an R-rated movie and gone for it instead of trying to appeal and sell toys. Hmm. I
0: you realized, mm. it's to old men who who love this series. It's different. I don't like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine an R-rated? Because they are in the military. They could just be like drinking beers and being like, "Let's send this drone in." <laughs> they should have just they could have just nuked it
2: from the beginning they would have used white
4: phosphorus on them
2: yeah i mean it could have been like imagine the bad quote unquote bad guys from avatar as the invading force in stargate oh my god right <laughs> i i just cuz that to... that's how american military would have really done handled that shit yeah. I, mean,
4: I just had this image of a guy in a mop suit being like shame is he un Corks a bottle of VX nerve gas or something, just like undoes the valve for it. Just oh, they don't have
2: gas masks. Unfortunate. Let's, yeah, let's see how Anubis handles an A bomb.
1: Oh fuck, that's a I, that's a whole different topic. I'd love to. Oh, I would get into. Some okay, we can do that. We'll put it on the board. Yep, put it on the board.
4: But on that rate, I I think we're running out of steam here. I don't know about you guys. I just woke up a few hours ago and uh, I'm oh. feeling pretty. Good for you. I'm ready for the
1: grave.
3: Yeah, same. Yes.
1: So, this has been the auxiliary unplugged. Goodbye, everybody.
3: Goodbye, so weird.
0: weird. Huh? That was oddly insightful. Like philosophy at a waffle house.